Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. It's been a while, but we're back. And today we're doing our NBA draft preview. Tomorrow will be the NBA draft. Uh, today, it's uh, June 21st of 2023, and we're going to, first of all, report the latest news, but then the main focus, we'll talk about the draft as much as we can. Um, but I'll level with you. I am probably not the most qualified person to talk about the draft itself, simply because, um, I mean, I mainly followed the NBA. I really didn't pay much attention to uh, what was going on with college basketball, uh, basketball across the sea, uh, overtime elite, G League, Ignite, all of those kind of things where, you know, in the past it was college guys and maybe a few international prospects, but now you have all sorts of different sources. But regardless, excuse me, I haven't been paying attention to any of them uh, really. So I'm just going to give my kind of, kind of layman's view of it and kind of synthesize what I've seen up to this point. But, um, before we get started, first of all, I'm your host, Carson. Welcome to the show or welcome back to the show. Whether you've been listening previously, or this is your first time listening to the show, uh, either way, thank you very much. We appreciate your support on the show. Um, and I'll also real quick, before we get started, plug our Instagram page. That's crossover across time all one word, no capital letters on Instagram. We share content, uh, like and share content from across the NBA. We also post our own content related to the the, the podcast itself. So uh, those two things, the page and, of course, this podcast are great ways to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA and also hopefully get that historic perspective that we aim to provide. So definitely check that out. Um, by now, you've probably noticed that my voice uh, sounds terrible and... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm clearing my throat, have some coughs, uh, feeling sick again, which definitely is not fun uh, for our podcast purposes. It's if you have to pick a time to get a little bit sick, I suppose it's not the worst time because, I mean, we have this episode today, we have an episode on Friday, and then we're going to be spacing out our shows a little bit more from there on out. So won't affect us as much as if we were to have this during the regular season where we're trying to do a show every single night. So um just keep that in mind and apologies for my horse sounding voice. Uh, it really doesn't, my throat doesn't hurt that bad right now compared to what it did. I just have a stuffy nose and excuse me. My, the throat itself isn't exactly clear, but let's uh, let's quit waffling around a bit and we're going to get right into the news. Cause we actually have a bunch of news items to report. Um, and it starts with the big one. And this was probably just within the the day or two after our last episode. I think it was uh, Friday, Saturday this last week. Uh, We have a trade. Bradley Beal trade. Uh, So the Wizards send Bradley Beal, uh, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd, three players, to the Phoenix Suns. So Bradley Beal will be joining Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Uh, In exchange, the Wizards will receive Chris Paul. Uh, Landry Shamit, several second round picks and multiple pick swaps. So there's a ton to digest here. And by now, if you're listening to the podcast, likely you're an NBA fan, a basketball fan. You've already heard a lot of takes on this. There's probably not too much else I can provide. Basically, um, my personal opinion, I, I love Bradley Beal. I think he's a heck of a player. And I think talent wise, Obviously, that's 
a big jump. You know, Chris Paul, we'd seen his play regress in the last few seasons, but at the same time, fit wise, I mean, you have two shooting guards and you have a scoring forward. Um, does either Booker or Beal play like a three, like you do a three guard lineup or do, does one of those guys take on like a point guard role? Uh, how do they fill in the bench? I mean, they've given up any kind of depth that they've had up to this point. I mean, Goodwin and Todd as part of this trade would be as their current roster is constituted before, you know, the draft and free agency, those guys would make up key bench pieces just because of who's actually under contract at the moment. Um, Excuse me. I don't know. I, I think it's a good move for Washington in the sense that it was kind of a long time coming and it was, <clears throat> I don't know, the, the fact that they had re-signed Bradley Beal to a big contract but didn't have either the means or the desire to make big moves to really build a contending team around him. They've kind of been the, you know, analogous to the Chicago Bulls of recent years and the fact that they just hover around either being a a low-performing playoff team or a a somewhat competitive playoff team that makes the second round in their best years, you know. And they've been in that gray area without a true, you know, superstar. I mean, Bradley Beal's great, but he's not a true superstar. Um, But without totally bottoming out, you know, selling off and and doing a rebuild. So I think that's good. It's a great step forward. They get Chris Paul, who, again, is still productive, but obviously it's not – there's going to be, I think, a win change there. They've also – there's some other players that seem to be on the move. We'll get into that in just a moment as well. But, um, yeah, for for Phoenix, I'm just not sure. And my hesitation really stems from the – I guess what happened with Brooklyn the last couple of years and the Lakers at moments, you know, it's great. It's always exciting to accumulate star names and it can work out. We've seen it first in 2008 with the Celtics when they brought in Ray Allen and Garnett, but those were different types of players that complemented each other with the heat. When they brought in LeBron, Dwayne Wade, both of those guys were, incredibly well-rounded players they worked well together they liked you know it was a great fit along with chris bosh who was a different type of player you know bringing together stars is never really a bad idea it's just about the fit you know and i mean with we've seen it with the the lakers with westbrook and lebron two guys who are ball dominant not really known as shooters can be an issue at times Westbrook with Harden, same kind of thing, although Harden was a shooter. Uh, And then more recently, the Nets, you know, Irving, Harden, Durant, all scoring emphasis guys and just not the greatest fits, you know. Uh, So I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical. I think it's a different mix. Bradley Beal hasn't been part of this equation before, so he could be a guy that adapts well, finds a new role, fits in well with teammates. I think it's very possible. Um, So that's my early thoughts, you know. For Phoenix, skeptical. For Washington, think it's a solid move. 
Um, I had another one written here. This is one that was in talks to be completed, but I actually, just before I hit record, got a notification ESPN that says that this trade that was in the works seems to have fallen through. Uh, from beginning to end, it was reported by Woj, so we don't know how much of this was actually how close it was to happening, how much was hearsay, but the trade would have been if this had happened as reported by Woj. It would be a three-team trade, Washington involved, sending Kristaps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics. Celtics then sending Malcolm Brogdon to the LA Clippers, along with Daniel Gallinari, who recently picked up his player option. Gallinari, sorry, he would go to Washington. Brogdon would go to the Clippers. And then the Clippers would send Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th pick in tomorrow's draft to the Washington Wizards. Now, none of that happened. And I think the fallout is interesting. This is more just, you know, layers of intrigue going into the draft. What happens for you as, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, Malcolm Brogdon, Gallinari, Marcus Morris, any of these guys who are part of a trade that fell through, do you stick around, take it as, okay, it's it's business for the 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 best players in this deal, Porzingis or Brogdon, is it, well, clearly you don't want me here, so why not get a trade, you know, get me out of here kind of a thing. And that's always interesting to watch to see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, that trade did not happen. So we'll have to see what happens, uh, if anything, in the coming days to resolve that kind of weird background tension that is possible. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, next, we have another trade. This one did happen, and this is just some movement of picks. Uh, the Indiana Pacers send pick 29 and pick 32, so the very end of the first round and the beginning of the second round, to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for the 40th pick and a 2024 first-round pick, the least favorable of their of those 2024 first-round picks that Denver owns. Um, to me, it doesn't seem like a huge move. I mean, I guess... Uh, Denver gets to move up a little more in the immediate future in their efforts to sustain their championship core, uh, which has a slight little hint of concern to it. And we'll get again into that in just a moment, but uh, Indiana moves back, I guess they get a, a better pick um, in the next year's draft. I'm not sure how long Indiana's planning to kind of build this roster they're still in the early going, I suppose. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's another trade. So those are the, the two trades that happened and the one that didn't uh, in the last week or so. Um, and then we also have some updates on player options. This is really the big one. Uh, we have five different players that made decisions on player options. Firstly, for the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green has declined his player option and become an unrestricted free agent. So you add Draymond Green to that pool. Let's also add from the Washington Wizards, they're getting talked about a ton here, Kyle Kuzma. He has declined his player option and become an unrestricted free agent. So there's a couple of intriguing forwards there on the market for you. Uh, From the Toronto Raptors, Gary Trent Jr. has opted into his player option for this upcoming season. So he'll be with the Raptors at least one more year. Uh, For the Denver Nuggets, Bruce Brown has declined his player option and become an unrestricted free agent. So that's where we were talking about. Excuse me. The Nuggets trying to sustain their roster. Uh, If they have the potential to lose a guy like Bruce Brown, who they got 
relatively cheap last year and was such a big part of their bench rotation. Uh, they definitely need to try and supplement that however they can with draft picks. Uh, so, so that makes sense in that regard. And then for the Utah Jazz, Damian Jones has opted into his player option uh, for this upcoming season, uh, backup reserve center for the Jazz. Um, but those are your five players that have made movement there. Um, two guys accept, but three guys have declined, so they hit the free agency market. Draymond Green, Kyle Kuzma, and Bruce Brown. So definitely intriguing there. Uh, this one, which was a while ago, I want to say this was Thursday that they finally made this decision, and it was the big undercurrent during the whole finals was what's going to happen with John Morant. Um, and they finally made an official decision. Uh, John Morant has been suspended 25 games uh, with additional conditions required before his return. Uh, now the details are available on the NBA website on ESPN, anywhere you can find it uh, should be easily accessible. And this is, um, you know, no, oh, hold on. I'm getting, distracted by a Woj notification. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, but, you know, the details are out there. I think one of the conditions was like some community kind of outreach stuff, maybe, if I remember correctly. I might be completely off base there, but basically doing his best to kind of right a lot of the wrongs that were done. Um, the Players Association uh, commented on this, called the ruling excessive and inappropriate. Um in my opinion, I was surprised that it was only 25 games, you know, with it having been so soon after uh, the big deal during the season before the playoffs. And that was well eight games. I would have thought this would have been at least 30 to 40 games. Um, so 25 games, uh, I imagine that's without pay. And that will probably be just to start the season. And again, there's some other things he'll need to do before the NBA will kind of clear him to return to action. So definitely, uh, something to keep keep updated on. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors, um, executive Mike Dunleavy Jr., he's been a part of their front office for uh, in recent years. He's agreed to a deal to become the Warriors' new general manager to replace the departure of Bob Myers. Um, so that'll be intriguing. You know, a guy that worked very closely with Myers, of course, and has his own experience, uh, his own years to draw from, not only his years, as a player, but also, and you know, recent years as an executive, but also his dad's years in NBA circles as a coach and a player. So, so that'll be interesting. Um, I like Mike Dunleavy Jr. Uh, hopefully he does well. We'll have to see what happens. Um, oh, geez, I'm sure this is fun to listen to. Um, for the Charlotte Hornets, majority owner Michael Jordan has finalized sale of his ownership, uh, or his, you know, stake of ownership in the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right for an approximate $3 million, $3 billion value. Um, So Jordan, he's been an owner with the Hornets for a long time. He finally decided it was the right time to, to uh, close that chapter of his basketball, you know, basketball life. Um, And he sells high higher than when he bought into the the Hornets at the time they were the Bobcats. So good for him. Interesting move. We'll have to see what happens next with the Hornets, a team that's been kind of stuck in a weird gray area, occasionally being a playoff team, sometimes really not a very good team at all. Um, Interesting to see what happens with them going forward. Uh, News for the Utah Jazz. Uh, They have announced a new media strategy 
uh, encompassing their broadcasts, you know, jazz content, everything. So SEG Media, uh, SEG being uh, Smith Entertainment Group, which owns the Utah Jazz, Ryan Smith, the owner. Uh, they've this new SEG Media, which will be a division of that. It's a new media platform. Um, will help broadcast jazz games, and they're going to actually host it on uh, local cable TV, uh, KJazz, which I believe is a CBS affiliate. Um, so even if you have a basic, you know, just a TV antenna that picks up the the standard channels, you know, CBS, ABC, those kind of things, um, you'll be able to get jazz games, uh, which is the complete opposite of what it has been. Uh, they've been on AT&T Sportsnet. And of course, I'm intimately aware of this because I live in Utah and have been a jazz fan my whole life. So um, that's been a big amber of contention among a lot of Utahns and a lot of jazz fans. And so they're going they're completely rectifying it sounds like they're now going to have it available on any tv package again basic antenna k jazz and that, that's awesome to hear that news um it's a dynamic kind of thing they're going to work with it work on this continually over the next year or two um change things if they need to but that's the way it is and then they're also going to offer a paid subscription streaming type service that's jazz specific that you know, you'd be able to do the broadcast as well, but you'd also there get all of your bonus type content, behind the scenes stuff, extra interviews, whatever that looks like. So I'm all in. I'm excited about it. I think it'll be great. That kind of stuff combined with the renaming of the Delta Center. Those are the the great things like, hey, they're, you know, trying to tie all the best elements of the jazz history together. And the only downside is we have these current uniforms while this is all happening, but that's beside the point. I'm not going to go on all rant there, but uh, yeah, that's the cool news uh, for the jazz uh, media stuff. Um, oh, geez. Let's get into, uh, we have a few more news items for the Indiana Pacers and really the NBA uh, all-star festivities next season. The 2024 NBA all-star Saturday night is reportedly going to be hosted in U- Lucas oil stadium which if you're not familiar, that's the home stadium of the Indianapolis Colts of the NFL. Um, and from what I saw, the little image that I saw on the you know link of the story or whatever, it was the court kind of divided like it would be for, say, the, the Spurs games back in the old Alamo Dome or the Syracuse, uh, Syracuse Orange Men, their games in the Carrier Dome. You know, the court kind of perpendicular to the way the field would run. But then on the other side of where the, you know, grandstands in the middle of the field would be, it looked like a some sort of other stage. So there's something else going on during the all-star festivities. I'm sure we'll get updates on that, but that'll be interesting to see. A um, couple more news items. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain's rookie home uniform recently sold at auction for a record $1.792 million which is phenomenal. Uh, different, of course, from a lot of uniforms. I mean, as years have gone on, players basically get new uniforms every game or every every few games. Um, but this was the the one home uniform uh, jersey and shorts that he wore for every single home game that they had that season. So definitely a lot, excuse me, a lot of history behind that one. Cool note. And then finally, um, NBA general news, Lou Williams. Uh, officially announced his retirement. He did not play this past season. Uh, he had last played with the Atlanta Hawks. Of course, he's a multi-time 
sixth man of the year. Great score, especially recently with the Clippers. Um, sad to see him go, but definitely a great career all around. And that is it for our key news, man. A ton of news stuff that took up a majority of our uh, podcast here, or a lot of what I had planned. Real quick, let me touch on that small update on news that I got during the podcast here. Um, going back to that reported trade that was in discussion for Brzingis, uh, the update is the Wizards are still, quote, Wizards still working on getting Kristaps Porzingis to Celtics, but it won't be in a three-way deal with the Clippers. So that's the latest news from Adrian Wojnarowski or Woj uh, about seven minutes ago. So definitely something to keep updated on. Uh, I'm sure once that gets finalized, we'll get exact specifics if there's any other teams added to a trade if it ends up being a two two team trade anything like that but uh otherwise that's it for our key news um let me just try and gather myself to run through what i can what i feel i can with you as far as a draft preview now of course the big item and this has been done to death as have a couple other things we've talked about number one overall pick Pretty much a foregone conclusion. Uh, Victor Wenbanyama, the highest rated prospect. They have him listed as a center right now. He could probably play anywhere from a three to a five. Seven foot four, you know, the wingspan, the height, pretty mobile, pretty athletic. Uh, actually very mobile for that size. Shooting ability, dunks, defense. I mean, seems like a total package. For me, I've said this before. Obviously, I'm I'm rooting for the kid to succeed. Um I would love nothing more than for him to come in and immediately be a Wilt Chamberlain type player. Who's immediately one of the greatest. And, you know, I think that would be so fun. Um, And I hope that that kind of thing happens, or at the very least, he's a multi-time all-star kind of like what they're talking about. But I think the hype has kind of just really run its course in terms of how overblown the hype has been. I I worry that if he just ends up being at the very most a solid player, maybe even he struggles at times that he's going to get the raw end of the deal and get criticized, even though he's just, you know, doing his best and, and doing what he's able, able to do in a sense. So I don't know. I'm sure he's going to be great. Um, but there is that possibility. You know, we've had a lot of prospects, that have been freakish athletes and or freakish size with, you know, unique skill sets that seem like, oh, slam dunk player. He's going to be, you know, several time all-star, probably an MVP. And they don't always pan out that way. And so I want him to pan out that way, but just exercise some caution. But yeah, definitely a consensus pick to the Spurs. Um, And then you have some intrigue. Uh, I did watch i guess it was cbs their mock draft ran through kind of the the first half of the first round um two and three it sounds like a lot of people are settling in either uh brandon miller or uh scoot henderson on either one of those um and excuse me again brandon miller i suppose has or no scoot henderson i guess has overtaken Brandon Miller in recent days as the betting favorite for number two. Although Brandon Miller I've seen in the few mock drafts I've looked at, he seems to be the more 
prominently chosen number two pick. Makes sense from what I've seen. He's about a six nine forward, small forward, scoring guy. I mean, with the Hornets having Lamelo Ball and they still have time, they want to see what they can out of Lamelo Ball. It doesn't make a lot of sense to suddenly draft another point guard type to maybe you know conflict in the backcourt. I think you get a forward that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so Brandon Miller, intriguing. But then also Scoot Henderson maybe falling to three at the, the Trailblazers. Uh, kind of a combo guard. And that's a recurring theme. Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson, and Asar Thompson, and Anthony Black. Combo guards with kind of varied skill sets in all of them. I know that there's shooting concerns with Amen Thompson. Um, a little bit better shooting from the twin, Asar Thompson. That's another intriguing point. Uh, the potential for those two guys are twins to be the highest drafted twins in the same draft in NBA history. That'll be very cool. Um, <clears throat> most likely will happen, but yeah, just a lot of these combo guards, you know, some scoring, some shooting ish, some playmaking, and it will be interesting to see which kind of way they swing as they get into the NBA. We have some forwards of intrigue, Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, uh, in kind of that next group. And then Derek Lively, a center from Duke. Grady Dick, uh, one of the better shooters from what we've seen. The intriguing prospect uh, outside of Wenbanyama as far as where he, where he could land and kind of that same type of, you know, size and skill set and really raw, you know, that ultra high ceiling, uh, unknown floor. Uh, Bilal Kulubali, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. He was actually Wenmanyama's teammate this last season uh, on Metropolitan 92. Uh, Metropolitans, plural, 92. Um, six foot six, six foot seven uh, wing type guy. Not sure. I, I don't know. And I don't mean to be rude about the guy because obviously all these guys I'd like to see do great. But from what I saw in some of the short highlights, I, I wasn't sure the exact type again it's that you know ultra young progressing rapidly i get that side of it but um i don't know that'll be an interesting one you go down the list kobe buffkin of michigan a shooting uh a combo guard jordan hawkins shooting guard out of yukon for me i, I want to land there because this is always the interesting phenomenon to me and i get it on both ways the player who's ultra productive in college you know, and is uh, has great team success in college. I mean, for example, Jordan Hawkins, a national champion with the UConn Huskies. And then they get low rated in drafts. And I think more often than not, when they rate them low, they're onto something. You have, you know, your Frank Kaminsky's or your recent years, Jared Butler's. Um, I get that. But you also have guys and this isn't a huge difference, but let's take a guy like Grayson Allen, for example, hugely productive in college, had his his controversial moments here and there. Uh, drafted to the Jazz. Jazz gave up kind of quick on him and or he didn't fit the timeline. And then he's had kind of an uh, interesting s- small surge in the last couple of seasons where he's become a really solid, dependable starting shooting guard, maybe a backup shooting guard who can just hit some threes for you and and play well with the lineup and 
Yeah, I think that that's something great. But this this Hawkins kid, I mean, they the CBS mock draft they showcased. He's just right. He's in the mix of Ray Allen, Richard Hamilton, Ben Gordon, UConn shooting guards, three point makes something along those lines. And he's a little bit older, 21 years old, still very young. I feel like of all the names that we're talking about here, that would be one of the names where it's like, Hey, why isn't this guy in a top group? This guy could very easily come out and be the next of those guys, your Ray Allen or your Richard Hamilton, your Rip Hamilton's, you know? So that's an intriguing for me. Um, Jalen Hood Shafino of Indiana, Keontae George of Baylor, Jet Howard. Now, this is an interesting one. I think I had already looked this up before, but I want to confirm. Jet Howard. Yes, he is the son of Jawan Howard, who was his coach in Michigan. So that's interesting, but looks to be a versatile prospect, shooting guard, small forward, Kaysen Wallace, Brandon Podzemeski out of Santa Clara. So now we're getting to the names where I, I'm really not going to know any of these as far as I just don't have that nuanced knowledge, but <clears throat> it is interesting to look through. I mean, when Minyama, your top prospect, uh, either Miller or Henderson at two or three looks to be kind of your pick there. Um, Rockets probably go with one of the Thompson twins. And then after that, there's some, some differing opinions. Uh, the CBS draft, they had the they had Jarris Walker of Houston going five. Uh, I've seen some the, some pages that rank him kind of towards more ten. It's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of interesting prospects. I mean, with every draft, for me, I'll t- chat for just a second because I feel like this is where I'd have the most uh, <clears throat> excuse me relevant kind of just re- opinions. And number nine, the Utah Jazz. Of course, again, I'm a Jazz fan. I'd be interested to see which way they go. Cause there's some names where it's like, Oh, you know, that, that could be interesting. I don't have a problem with that. And then there's some names where it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. Really? I mean, at nine, you're still looking for a guy that has potential to become a future all-star really um, that lottery type pick. And my, I'm, I'm sure very uninformed opinion and, just my <laughs> half-baked opinion, I'd like to see the Jazz get that Jordan Hawkins that I went on so long about. But we'll have to see the CBS draft. They had that Bilal Koulibaly going to the Jazz based on <clears throat> Danny Ainge's reputation in the front office, and that would be – he would be able to get that get away with that pick and and not – if it doesn't pan out, then he's suddenly out of the front office, you know, which is interesting, but I don't know. This one on the ESPN's website has Taylor Hendricks of UCF going to the jazz. Um, don't mind that as far as it seems like an interesting forward. I do think the jazz, it feels like their strengths right now are more front court. And I would like to see them kind of go more guard if they're looking to build up prospects, but um you know, that's an interesting other part of this is uh, draft picks in general. I mean, the Jazz have 9, 16, 28 in the first round, of course. And then they also have, no, they just have three first rounders. So, so those will be big parts of the roster. Um, 
You have a lot of other teams that I think have, oh, the Nets have back-to-back 21 and 22. Trailblazers have three and 23. Pacers have 26. uh, Well, actually, they trade 29. They have 26 and seven. Uh, Raptors, no, they just have 13. Rockets, maybe. Yeah, Rockets have four and 20. Yeah. Hornets have two and 27. The Spurs only have the that first pick. Magic have six and 11. They have two pretty high. They'd have two lottery picks. So that's very intriguing. So, that, so that's another interesting point. Um, the Mavericks at 10. You can look through. I mean, NBA draft page has all the prospects kind of ranked. Um very closely aligned with kind of what the, the mock draft went or the way that went. There's some player comps with when Manyama, they have like Durant on offense, Garnett on defense and his lowest end. Maybe he's just a, a taller Anthony Davis, you know, which is all amazing. Um, Brandon Miller, high end, Brandon Ingram, low end Marvin Williams. Um, Henderson, either De'Aaron Fox or Colin Sexton. Kind of interesting there. Uh, this Amen Thompson, high-end comp, smaller Ben Simmons in a good way. Low-end comp, smaller Ben Simmons in a bad way. Um, You know, you couldn't come up with any kind of defensive, non-shooting point guards other than Ben Simmons. I mean, you couldn't think of, like, Michael Ray Richardson or, I mean, Gary Payton a little. I don't know. But, uh yeah, Jarris Walker, high-end Paul Millsap, low-end James Johnson. Um, Asar Thompson, the other Thompson twin, gets high-end Andre Godala, low-end taller Isaac Okoro, which is interesting. Kind of still the, the shooting stuff highlighted there. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, high-end Jaden McDaniels, low-end Maxi Kleba. This Anthony Black is interesting, too. High-end Josh Giddy with better defense, low-end Evan Turner. None of those great shooters. The brief clips I saw looked very odd with his shooting form, so that makes sense. Um, the center, Derek Lively, the second. He's really kind of the lone center along with Wenbanyama. Grady Dick uh, getting the you know the spot-up shooter comparisons. Kyle Korver, Corey Kispert, uh, maybe J.J. Redick. Kind of makes sense. Um with Shafino, Jordan Hawkins, high-end comp, more athletic J.J. Redick. That seems a little, I don't know, low-end comp Anthony Morrow. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like even if he's not the most athletic guy, you know, more athletic J.J. Redick, they're still not hyping up his athleticism. I feel like he'd be a little bit better. And again, this is totally, I, I didn't even watch the national championship. I'm not sure why I'm, campaigning so hard for this Jordan Hawkins. Maybe it's just because of UConn and the legacy that school has. But um, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue, you know, and it'll be cool to get to know these guys a little bit more as they get drafted. Um, And the other cool thing will be what kind of trades might happen during the draft. Um, What teams might be moving up. There is of course the, continual undercurrent it's been an undercurrent the last couple weeks what the trailblazers are going to do with damian lillard will they keep him there and keep running the course will they look to trade 
to give him a shot with a a more complete team at this current time? Will they try and do reverse? Will they try and add in talent to make themselves more competitive sooner? Um, one last jazz related note. I was messing around because it gave me a link for it on these ESPN pages. Um, NBA trade machine. You know, Lillard had said when he was going to Weber state that you wouldn't mind playing for the Utah jazz. And so I was just saying, Oh, what, what trade could I come up with that would get him to the jazz? And I did Lillard and Nasir little in exchange for Colin Sexton, Kelly Olenek, Talon Horton Tucker and Rudy Gay. So four players for two players, salaries match up. Um, it wouldn't make a ton of sense for the trailblazers. I mean, Sexton's an interesting prospect. You would just clear up, um, potentially clear up cap space because, you know, those contracts, Olenek, Tucker, Gay would be expiring a little bit quicker uh, compared to Lillard, who's on a longer deal, I guess. Um, Horton Tucker's kind of interesting as well. Sexton and Horton Tucker would be like the younger prospects. But yeah, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for Portland. I'd be happy with it, but, uh, you know, that's just me. So anyways, I'll quit rambling a lot on about half draft related stuff, half Utah jazz fan ramblings while also having a stuffed nose and being unpleasant to listen to. And we'll go ahead and finish while we're ahead um, with our, this day in history fact first uh, today, we're going back to 2012, not ultra far June 21st of 2012. The Miami heat defeated the Oklahoma city thunder 121 to 106 in game five, winning the NBA finals four to one. It was the first title for LeBron James, who was named the finals MVP and the second for the Miami Heat franchise. Uh, so definitely a great moment for one of the game's all-time great players. Um, and with that, that'll take care of everything. Again, this is probably the, the least productive draft preview type show that you've ever heard, but at least I'm honest with you on my uh, my knowledge of the draft going into it. But we will do a show on Friday where we'll recap what happened with the draft, any intriguing trades, surprise picks, how they'll fit into rosters, all that kind of stuff. Do what we can. But uh, that's it for now. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you again for listening. Again, check out our Instagram page. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>